listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Have you ever wanted to quit? Have you ever wanted to quit something? Put your hand up if you've ever been tempted to just want to quit, quit something, pack it in. Yes, we've all been there. And, uh, you know, it's just too much, it's too hard, too discouraging, you know, I just, just can't keep going, and, and this isn't what I was thinking when I started, and now it's hard, it's tough, so, so I'm just going to pack it in. And, and the discouragement and, and the temptation to quit, to pack it in, in all kinds of areas in our lives, is very real. You may quit school or the course you're taking because it just wasn't what you thought it would be or it's just too hard or it's just too frustrating or maybe you, you've already quit the diet that you started to start 2016 because it was you're just not seeing the results. It's just you're hungry all the time. You're even considering starting two diets just to be able, you know, simultaneously just so you can get enough to eat, you know, and, and you're just saying, I quit. I'm done. I, I'm out of here, you know, or maybe you wanted to quit a job. Because the boss was brutal or, you know, just that song, take this job and shove it, I ain't working here no more. Anyone know who sings that? I, I, I remember as soon as I wrote, started writing, I started singing that song. I don't know who sang it. I don't know any more of the words of that. But familiar with that song? It's, you know, some of you goldie oldies would remember that along with myself. You know, take this job and shove it. Have you ever been there? Want to shove a job? Just say, enough, I'm done. This is silly. This is, why am I doing this? I remember it was a number of years ago, Charlotte and I and, and our family, we were living, we were pastoring in, in Alberta, just outside of Edmonton, and we had had a good season of ministry, some good years, but then we hit a rough patch, and it was hard, and it was discouraging, and I remember looking at Charlotte in the eye as I was taking off to, to, to go about doing the work that the church work that day and I said I'll make the call I will make the call today to our district leader kind of like that Star Trek um, you know what statement beam beam us out of here you know be just let's get out of here and they would if they would have found a new location new place for us we had a good season they asked us if we were looking at maybe wanting to move on and we thought no 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 we're good and it was hard it was tough I said I will phone him and we will you know what we'll, we'll get the wheels in motions we're done but within minutes as I was driving, I was listening to the preaching of God's word on Christian radio and the word of God that was being preached there today impacted, it was for Meldon Lutzer on that day when Chuck Swindoll preached that sermon years and years probably before that and they're just replaying you know, what these old sermons that he's preaching. It was meant for me that day while I was driving where God made it so clear, you are not to quit, you are to endure, you are to keep on going. And to have quit at that point would have been disobedience when God made it so clear that we were to press on. Came home, told Charlotte, no, we're not quitting. We can't do this. This is what God has said. This is just so clear that we are to keep going. Did things change? No. Not instantly. Not in the next few days or weeks, but over time. And we went into a series, uh, just a season of God's blessing and God's moving in our lives and within the ministry that we would have totally have missed if we would have quit that day. What changed it? It was God's word. God's word being proclaimed. Now there are, at times, good reasons to quit certain things. Um, something's taking way too much time. It's costing too much money. Or it's sinful, it's wrong, it's the wrong priorities. You're lacking in this area because you're putting too much into another area and so you need to at times look at quitting things because of the wrong priorities or maybe it's heading you, your family, towards a dangerous path. Stop it, 
You need to quit certain things. But quitting also requires a lot of prayer, seeking the Lord first, at times having others come alongside and stand with us and pray and, and, and to seek God when it comes to uh, making some of these changes in it in our lives. Sometimes quitting is the right thing to do, but when it comes to us spiritually, to, to going that next step in our walk with God, maybe it's in receiving Christ. You, you've never done that, and, and maybe today is the day for you to do that. Today is the day of salvation, God's word says. Oftentimes, though, the temptation to quit, to pack it in, because, because uh, comes to us because we're discouraged. And let's face it, discouragement in our world in our lives, in our situations, can be very real. You start out with good intentions. The diet or with exercise and you don't see the results, you get discouraged or, or a job that is tough, that is difficult or, or schooling that is hard or a marriage that, that's uphill, that's difficult. That, and, and the world teaches us, walk away, walk away. Treat yourself. It's about your own happiness and you can even be reading your Bible, going to church, serving in a ministry, giving sacrificially, but you're not really seeing a lot of results or, or something bad happens, something says, someone says something, does something, and you're like, I'm done, I quit, I'm out of here. Really? Yeah, discouragement is a killer. Discouragement can rob us of so much. And we can hide discouragement. We put a smile on our face and... God is good, you know. Hey, Shayon, God is good. All the time, you know. And, and, and you know, we've got the cheesy lines, and we, we've got, you know, like, oh, brother, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Just And on the inside, we're just dying. We're discouraged. We're wondering, do I keep going? How, how do I keep moving just day after day? And Because life is hard. Maybe it's because of a child or children or grandchildren that are not following God. And we're discouraged. Talked with a guy last night in Superstore of all places, guy that I knew from a while back and, and, and was talking with him and, and right away he just opened up about his sons who aren't walking with the Lord and how it's just wearing on, on his heart and his wife's heart. And, and it was a joy to just be able to stop and pray with him as people are, are, are shopping and walking and like, let's take this to God. Enough talking about it, let's take it to God. This guy's discouraged. His eyes are turning red as he's talking about me because he's concerned about the decisions and the choices that he's making or they are making. Maybe it's our finances and, and we're wondering how are we ever going to, to make it through to the, to the end of the month or the end of the year. Maybe it's with your business, your company or your personal finances. Your future in some areas is uncertain. The pain that you're experiencing in life is just too much and you're discouraged. The road is too hard. It's too difficult. Too many bumps in it and, and you're not getting the help. You're not getting the support that you want. And Years ago, there's a familiar song that we would sing in church or in, in uh, campfire circles, and, and it was, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Love that song. There's one line that I really don't like very much in there, though, because it, it, it says, We should never be discouraged. And I'm like, Yeah, right. As if we should never be discouraged. You know, like, easy to sing, hard to live. What's the next line? Take it to our God in prayer. Take it to our Lord in prayer. Easy to sing, hard to live. But the Bible, I love, the Bible discusses discouragement very openly. That's what I love about it. The Bible doesn't hide anything. 
just says, here it is. Here's the truth. Here's the reality of it all, right? And, and, and so we see in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, we see saints, we see godly men and women who suffered discouragement in, in some very discouraging times. And, you know, you, you look at a person like Jeremiah or Elijah. Elijah, after doing great things for God, was like, oh, I just want to die. He was so down, so discouraged. Job, I mean, losing everything. Yet in the New Testament, and, and where we're going to look here in 2 Corinthians 4, get ready, we're going to start reading here right away, uh, Paul says something amazing about discouragement. In fact, Paul was maybe the one who kind of penned the words to that song, you know, or could have, you know, we should never be discouraged, because what he says here in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, listen to what he says, so we do not lose heart. He says, he's saying, we don't get discouraged, we don't quit. Though our outer self is wasting away, in other words, our outward circumstances stink, our bodies may be failing us, relationships may be struggling, our world is crumbling, he goes on, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This doesn't mean some days, this is day after day after day after day we're being renewed. Even though everything else can be crumbling and outwardly everything is wasting away, day by day we can be refreshed. For Paul, it was like the refresh button was being pressed every day in his life. You say, well, he was the Apostle Paul. Such a godly man. <clears throat> no doubt an easy life. <laughs> Read the word, his life wasn't so easy. Every day it was, I mean, what Paul is saying here is every day is making it like, I just got saved. The glory, the joy of our salvation. David talks about that. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And Paul is saying, this is happening. This can happen in your life. It can happen, is happening in his life. And Paul is saying this even though his outward circumstances were hard. They stunk. They were very, very difficult. Verse 17, though, let's keep reading. For this light and momentary affliction, he's not calling the things that I'm facing light and momentary because what I'm facing is not very light and it doesn't seem very momentary. It keeps going on and on. Look at my life. Look at my family. Look at my health. Look at my finances. Look at the struggle. Struggle, struggle, struggle. No victory. Look at the load I'm carrying. Look at the world. Turn on the TV. Don't turn on the TV. I mean, anything you read is just, I mean, you watch the news. I mean, you even go just on local news kind of channels or, or, or uh, websites and, and you just read kind of the next thing and you're like, oh, this world. I mean, you just read about, you know, just, just oh. I mean, I don't even need to explain it. Light and momentary, Paul calls this? Yes, he does. What you and I are facing, and I'm glad I'm standing here because you may want to punch me in the face, but what you are facing is light and momentary. Get your eyes off of it. Get your eyes redirected. Don't use your physical eyes only. This is where we need to turn on the spiritual eyes. The eyes of our heart and the eyes into the word of God to see what's really going on. Paul is saying that if we live by our, our external eyes, our focus is on the here and the now, we will walk in discouragement. Get ready for it. It will hit you and 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 it will hit you. It will keep going. 
Verse 17, continue reading here. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Underline those words in your Bible. Even if it's not your Bible, if you're born, just underline it. That's power. These light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You think you're carrying a heavy weight right now in what you're going through? Doesn't compare to the eternal weight of God's glory. That is thick. It is amazing. It is powerful. No, I can see. He goes on here, he says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, temporary, or fleeting. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul is saying that we, we live by, when we live with our external eyes, we will be discouraged. Jesus promised, John 16 made it very clear. He says, in this world you will have trials, you will have troubles, you will have persecution. If you're a child of mine, get ready for it. It's going to happen. He says, but take heart. It's your internal eyes. Get your eyes off of those things. Get your eyes on his glory, on his power, his majesty. He says, take heart, I've overcome. I've overcome it. And so Paul is calling us to open our spiritual eyes to look beyond the surface, look beyond the here and the now, the circumstances you will face tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and throughout the course of this next week and the month ahead. The eternal weight of glory, the depth of it. That word glory is so hard to to fully understand. I mean, in, in the book that we're reading as a church in Heart Resurgence, and encourage you, if you don't have that book, look and live to, to pick it up. It's at the um, welcome table there. And glory is a hard thing to, to fully understand and to comprehend. We'll never fully understand it because it has to do with God, and he's, he's infinite, he's eternal. And, and, uh, and, and Paul is trying to describe something that he can't even come close to describing. A little later on in 2 Corinthians 12, he, he writes about a vision, a dream that he had that, where he was transported into, into heaven, into the third heaven, and, and he saw the splendor, the majesty, the glory of heaven, and, and he says, some things I can't even speak of. There's no words to describe. Can't even tell you what is ahead for the believer in Christ our eyes, our focus, our minds are so often wrapped up in the temporal and we need to remember the eternal. Amen? Sometimes we're so fixed on just what's going on, we don't think of heaven. Remember that old, old hymn? I think we have the words of the song up on the screen. What a day that will be. Remember that song? You know that song? What a day that will be. You can sing it. When my Jesus I will see, and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand. Think about it. The weight of God of the universe. Jesus, God in the flesh, coming to his child, taking you by the hand and saying, let's go. All the weight, 
all the junk, all the stuff we've endured, we've gone through, the heartache, the pain, gone. He's, we're with him. If you are a child of, of his, this is a reality, this is a truth. If you're not, it's not for you. I encourage you to examine your heart. What a day. What a victory day. Everyone's crying here and eating egg salad sandwiches. And you're rejoicing in heaven. You might say, well, that's pretty easy for Paul to say because he had that vision. And, and because, you know, he was the Apostle Paul. And, and uh, you know, I mean, he, he had quite a bit of power and, and, and God really blessed him. Folks, he's still saying we don't look with our physical eyes. I mean, for the Apostle Paul to, to say that, I mean, I don't think anyone would have wanted his life. When he was alive, when he was walking the face of this earth, he did not look like a successful man. He looked like a loser. He was being attacked. He was on the run. He had n- not a lot of money. I mean, he was often very poor. I mean, and, and you can read about different things. But, but even verse, um, verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 here, what we are reading, just jumping up a few verses. It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Verse 9, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul is saying, we may be knocked down, but we're getting back up. We're not knocked out. We've taken some hits, but we're going to get up again. And Paul did get knocked down a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Just write down 2 Corinthians 11. You can read about some of his knockdowns that happened. Beaten with rods. Uh, shipwrecked a, a number of times, imprisoned. Five times he received 39 lashes. Same kind of lashes that Jesus would have received. Three times beaten. That's with the rods. He was stoned. Not the Kelowna version of that. Three times shipwrecked. In danger from robbers. Jew, um, in danger from his own people. From Gentiles. From false teachers. He had sleepless nights. He was hungry. He was cold. And yet he says, though our outer circumstances are hard and it's tough. And, in, and, and outwardly it's wasting away. Inwardly, the refresh button is getting pressed. Inwardly, I'm being renewed. How does this happen? How are we inwardly renewed day after day after day? Well, let's look in Psalm 19. We've, we've, this is going to be where we're going to land here for the rest of the morning. You've already heard these verses read. And in Psalm 19, if you would have been here on time in the service, you would have heard the first few verses read from Psalm 19 about how the heavens declare the glory of God. That's a little hint for getting in here early. And, uh, you know, and, and just look at the stars. Look at creation. Look at all that God does. I mean, it blows you away. Step out on a starry night and, and just take a look at the stars and, and the planets and the moon and, and you just study and research that and it blows you away at, at the awesomeness, the greatness of our God. This week, I was walking with a friend and, and uh, we came across near the lake this incredible little scene that reminds me or makes me think spring must be coming here, here in the midst of snow, and, and that is this plant that's budding. And it's just like amazing. Like, like God, I mean, you couldn't have painted something more beautiful. I mean, the picture doesn't even come close to describing just how beautiful the snow, the drips of, you know, the melting snow, the old wood that's, that's fallen there. And then this beautiful flower. Our God is so creative. It's amazing. 
This past week we were talking as a family, we were talking with our kids some of the things they were learning in school and, and uh, the kids have been learning both in, in the classes they're in about, um, about our bodies, about DNA and, and, and DNA, I mean, just you know, go home and do, I think there's, there's websites just devoted to this, but do a little search about DNA and, and what it is and, and how powerful and how much of it is within our body. I mean, it, it just blows me away. And, and even on the way here this morning, we were just looking at some of these stats online that if you were to stretch out the DNA that is contained in your body, you know, and, and, and all of that, and if you put them end to end to end, uh, one cell alone would have two meters worth of DNA, okay? Well, there are billions and billions of cells within our body that if you were to line up and stack the DNA in our bodies, and it would go from, from here to the moon at least six times, there and back six times. That's the amount of DNA floating throughout our bodies. Amazing, isn't it? Clarice was telling us how, how you know, they were talking about how our bodies are 60%, at least over 60% of our bodies are, are made out of water. And, and yet how amazing it is, you can jump in a swimming pool, you can sit in a hot tub or in a bathtub for a long, long time, and somehow your body doesn't just like, just melt into the water, even though 60% of us, I mean, and you can drink water and you can hold, it doesn't come, you know, come, come, come out your pores. Well, eventually it does if you're sweating a lot, but it, it, your body can hold it. Like, it's amazing that, and, and it's because our bodies are partially contained of, of, of carbon. And it's pretty cool. So if somebody calls you an old bag of coal, you go, why, thank you. Thank you. You know, or a water bag. It's just like, you got that right. You know, I mean, so, so some of the things you might get called may not be, it, they're just describing truth. Bunch of old coal bags sitting here. You know, we are. Like, I mean, it's amazing. And when you research creation, all that God has made from the human body to the mind, it's amazing. The awesomeness, the greatness of our God. And so creation shouts out our God. That should just blow us away. To, and, and just even with the knowledge, knowing he's in control, creator, sustainer of all things, we are so blessed. That's a general revelation, but now into verse 7, we see God just hasn't left it at that. He's given us special revelation. He's given us his word. We just celebrated his word becoming flesh at Christmas with Jesus. Hold up your Bibles. Hold them up. Come on. Hold them up. Even your backlit Bibles that you might be using, you know what, just, just hold them up. Okay, you are not holding up just any book. You are holding up the very word of God. This isn't just some collection of some authors of some nice philosophies. and Hold it up. Come on. I didn't tell you to put it down. This is some good. You may want to switch hands if it gets tired. Come on. You're holding up the word of God, and this will wake you up if you're, if you're getting a little dozy here this morning. This book, these words were breathed out by God for you, for me. There's power here. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For no prophecy, not one little bit of these, any, all of these words were not just breathed out by men. They just weren't or written down by men or, or spoken of men. But men wrote as they, they were carried on by the Holy Spirit. You can put your Bibles down. I see some of you are wavering and you know, wouldn't want any, you know, get knocked out by your Bible by 
you know, it dropping out of your hand or anything like that. God's word has much to say about God's word. Psalm 119, write that down. Encourage you to read that. There is a, a very comprehensive explanation about the power and the value of God's word. Well, today we're just going to look at a number of verses in Psalm 19. So Psalm 119, good understanding, great truth. Encourage you to read that this week about God's word. But Psalm 19 here, starting at verse 7, is a good summary of the value of God's word. So let's look at it. It was read here a little bit this morning, but I'd like to read it one more time. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord, the command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We are renewed and can be renewed day by day when we take God's word seriously. Because here's what we see in God's word. We see that God's word will transform our lives. Write that down. Encourage you to write these down in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. One translation says it converts the soul. God's word is so powerful. It is so mighty. It is so complete. It is so comprehensive. It can take what is dead and bring life. And there are testimonies of that here today. In fact, if you have been regenerated by Christ, it is because of the word of God has come alive. And we have stories, and, and many of you would have testimonies how you were facing something in God's word. I mean, it was dead, it was over, you didn't know what to do anymore. And, and you read God's word, and it gave life. God's word revives, it restores, it gives life, it converts. It's so powerful. It can take a hard hearted, unsaved, uninterested person and totally change them. Turn that person around, make them a child of Christ as they take God's word into their heart, into their lives. Seriously. It revives, it gives life. Throughout the creation account, when you read Genesis 1, 1 and 2, just encourage you to, if you read that, just underline every time where it says, and God said, and God said, and whenever God said, life happened. And God said, let there be light, there is light. Whenever God says, when God speaks, life happens. And that is the same thing that is true today. I trust it's the same thing that happens here today as we take God's word and say, thus saith the Lord that life, spiritual life, happens in your life. That you are changed, that you are transformed. Day by day this week as you are chewing on the word of God, you're reading it, that you would be changed, you would be transformed. You'd be revived, renewed every day. Love reading that about, and God said, and boom, it happened. Same thing happens when we take God's word. What once was dead comes alive. It transforms the inner man. Second of all, God's word makes, makes us wise. The testimony, verse 7, the last part of it, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's word applied can take the simple, immature, undiscerning mind and make it wise. You want to be wise in this world? You want to have great wisdom? Get to know God's word. Because all truth is God's truth. Think about it. Anything that is true, all truth is God's truth. 
He's the master of it all. So as you get to know the master, you get to know and understand in a greater way than university professors, than the smartest people, physicists, doctors, whoever it might be. Because if you understand God's word, you're understanding the ultimate source. And that breathes life into every area of our lives. All truth is God's truth. And it it changes us. It, It makes us wise. When we study it, it makes us wise in all areas of life. It speaks into every area of society. God's word reveals the big picture of life. We just don't see the earthly. We just don't see the here and the now and what's happening in 2016. God's word gives us insight into the future. Into the, if, if someone doesn't know Christ, the unregenerated person who has no knowledge of God, they have no idea what's coming at the end. We do because we have God's word. And we don't need to fear. It ends well for the child of God. Not so much for the person who doesn't know Christ. Not good at all. Read it. Look and see. It gives us eyes to see beyond this year, beyond this decade. We know how it ends. God's word word reveals the big picture from his perspective. Thirdly, God's word gives us great joy. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The precepts, that's another word for promises, the pronouncements, the principles of God. They're right. He's always right. You ever get into an argument with someone and you get into discussion with them and you know that you are so right and they are so wrong? I mean, you know this. You own it. And so you get into this argument and you're almost like just now toying with them because they are so wrong and they don't know it and they won't listen to your wisdom on this. And so you just kind of sit back and it's just like, okay, okay, just, just go ahead. Just, just keep believing that, you know, and... Uh, and then you pull out the, the phone, you go to the computer, you phone your dad, you know, and, and you get the right answer, and it's, yes, I was right. You know, it's just like, and, and let's face it, after you confessed your pride and repented of that and all that, there's a bit of joy left over there, isn't it? It was just like, yes. You know, when it comes to, like, our kids, I mean, in their homework, there's not too much I can help them out with these days. I mean, I just look at what they're doing in pre-calculus and in their math and in their French and, you know, that's about it for me when it comes to that. And I'm just, you know, I just walk away. I'm like, oh, I feel dizzy. I think I just need to sit down for a little bit. You know, I'll just go work on a sermon, you know. And, and, but when I can help them in something, there's this like, yes. yeah, there's, there's some joy there. Well, when we know God's word and we know his promises and his principles and what it stands for, above all things, no no matter the outcome of how things turn out, there's this joy. Knowing his commands, his promises, his precepts, his pronouncements, they're all right. And that causes us great joy. Fourthly, God's word provides special insight. Last part of verse 8, the command, commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now we are in, when I was looking at this, I'm like, oh my, are we just in the best setting to understand this here this morning? I mean, we have it up on any other church that doesn't meet in a theater. This is where meeting in a theater is such a blessing. Because in this room, they will show 3D movies, right? You know, how many of you have been in a 3D movie? Have you been a part of that. Come on, hand up. I'm, this is exercise. It's the new year. Good. Okay. You know, and, and if you're going to watch it, you, you kind of you need to watch with 
pair of these glasses. And if you, anyone need a pair right now, maybe, maybe I'll look better to you in 3D. Anyone? You know, yeah, Chris, you could use those to, you know, and, and so you put on these glasses and, and the screen comes alive. And it's cool, and things come out after you. You know, like, it's probably good because now you're going to see spit come flying out of my mouth, you know, and it's going to come right. If you're ducking, you know, like, oh, I thought, you know, it's not 4D, thank goodness, you know. But, you know, and so, so you have this 3D, and you put on these glasses. It's like, ooh. I've sat in a 3D movie at, when it started. I thought, I'm going to go and see how long I can go without watching the movie. I mean, it was fuzzy. I was getting a headache. I started to say, okay, this is silly. Experiment over. Let's enjoy the movie, you know. And it's just like, whoa, whoa that's much better. Well, this is the way it is when we look at life, when we look at what we're facing, when we look at our circumstances through the lens of the Word of God. It, got to take these off now in order to, to read, you know what, um, God's Word here, but it says that the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's Word enlightens us to see things for what they really are, to give us special insight. You see, when we don't understand God's word, when we're not living life through the lens of the word of God, we see things very differently. They're fuzzy. They're unclear. And they will give you headaches. You see, the world, worldly thinking thinks that marriage is about me, about my needs, my needs being fulfilled, and my wants, and my wishes, and wife, do this, and and, and wife, submit, or, you know, because we can know a little bit about, you know, how it's been in the past and, you know, and, and all these kind of things. But when we read what God's word, we put, oh, marriage is not about my happiness. It's more for my holiness I'm seeing. It's not what I get. It's what I give. Yeah, that's what God's word says about marriage. It's, hmm, it's different than, oh, but that's amazing. The results are really good. Or, or about wealth or, or, or about m money and power. We, our, our world tells us to look at it through worldly lens, but you, like, oh, it, it's not about more and more and more. It's that true, great, oh, true greatness comes through humility. Through being a great, greatness comes through serving. And as we grow in the commands of the word of God and the understanding, it brings clarity and amazement. And it's like, oh, this makes sense. Number five, God's word stands the test of time. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. That's the fear, the awe, the glory we were talking about. before. The holiness of our God, it's clean. It's pure. It's uncompromised. It's undiluted through the centuries. It's a source of stability in our broken and in our fallen world. It endures to every corner of the world. This book, God's word, God's truth, is relevant here in Kelowna at the Famous Players Movie Theater here in our lives today. It's relevant in the Kremlin today. It is relevant in China, in the jungles of Africa. It has been from centuries past. It will be until the Lord returns. It is relevant. It speaks truth into every culture, every century, every situation. God's word stands undiluted, powerful. It has stood the test of time. It will continue to stand the test of time. Every generation, 
every culture, every situation, God's word, it's pure, undiluted, holy, powerful. Number six, God's word promises justice. Last part of verse nine. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The rulings of God, his judgments, the consequences are true. God will have the final say in all things one day. God, the rules of the Lord, they're true, they're righteous all together. When we watch the news, one of the things at times when I read what goes on and you read at times, you know, when criminals or the person is caught and you just say, there's just no justice in this world anymore. When will that person ever pay for what they're doing? When you've been brutalized, when you've been betrayed, when, when, when you've been cheated and, 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 and the person gets away with it and, and, and you just start thinking, that there, there's no justice in there. Oh, yes, there is. It says the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God's word promises that one day, one day, there will be real and final judgment. Perfect justice will be laid out in our world in all situations. God's judgment also though regarding my sin also becomes very real. And the Bible says that the wages of my sin, the result of my sin is death. And so that is God's judgment. You sin, you pay. But the good news about God's justice and his righteousness is that but the gift of God, Jesus Christ, is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. His justice is applied to my life. His righteousness applied. But it will also, his justice will be applied to every situation. Everyone will stand before the Lord and give an account Look at these statements. I mean, God's word transforms our lives, makes us wise, gives us great joy, provides special insight, stands the test of time, and promises justice. So what do we do about it? What do we do about this? Verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. David mentions two strong desires here, doesn't he, in, the, in these verses, in this verse. He talks about riches and food. How many in this room would desire to have more money? Come on. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's not wrong to, to want more money. You need money to survive, right? How many of you, another true, you know what, confession, now you don't have to raise your hand on this. How many of you have been watching Powerball? What's going on in the States? $930 million were possibly given out last night. If you play the lotto in the States and, and, and buy a, a lotto ball, Powerball ticket, nine, no one won. You know what that's going to go up to for next weekend? $1.3 billion. How many of us, even for a moment, think, oh, what would I do with that? It would destroy your life. But you know what? I mean, but we don't see that because, you know, anyways. Um, I mean, to want riches, that's okay. I mean, how many of us have already started to think what you're going to eat for dinner today? How many of you are going to eat dinner today or something today? Come on. Come on. Yeah, okay. So I'm really, you say, we had a workout in church today. I got some good reps in. You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, riches and food, those are true, strong, very strong desires. And, and so, 
what the psalmist is saying here, what God breathed into David to write here, more than riches and more than food, may you desire God's word in your life every day. It's okay to desire those things. It's a wonderful thing to enjoy a great, big, juicy, succulent steak or, or salad, whatever is your liking. I mean, that's a good desire. But desire God's word more in your life. To be in it every day. We're going to eat today. We're going to drink today. And you need to. Watched a video just yesterday on YouTube with Nate about what happens to the body when you stop eating or drinking. It's awful. It's terrible. You start wasting away. If you go just quit, quit. I mean, it's a matter of weeks. I mean, even days, it starts to affect your brain. Your brain actually starts to shrink. So you say, oh, that's what happened. You know, and, and your brain, you know, and it affects your bones, your skin, your internal organs, and then you die because you need that. Now, outwardly, many of you, we take good care of ourselves outwardly. Most of you did a pretty good job this morning. You know, and, and I won't say who did and who didn't. That's for, you know, not me to decide. But you did a good job. We waste so much time on that. But inwardly, we're wasting away. Because we're not chewing on the word of God. Discouraged? Wanting to quit? Yeah, because we're not chewing and applying and living God's word. We're not looking. We're looking with internal, external eyes on the things around us. We're not looking with our exter, in, internal eyes on the glory to come and the reality of where this all comes out. Oh, may we desire God's word and, and challenge and encourage one another. Basically, what, what these verses are saying, these, these are three words. It gave them to you a number of times, going to keep giving them to you. They're so powerful. Discipline, desire, delight. Get into the discipline of reading God's word every day. Jeremiah said, I ate the word and it was life to me. Chew on it. Discipline. It moves you into desire as you, as you keep at it. You start desiring. It's like, i got to be in the word of God because it becomes your delight. But these are, are the words that oftentimes, these other D words that oftentimes take over. Just put those next words up. Distraction. Instead of desire, we have a distaste for God's word because we have more of a taste for other things. And I don't even like the word dislike in there anymore. I, I'm going to call it destruction. Don't even write down the word dislike. Write down destruction. Distraction, distaste, destruction. When we're not in the word of God. I'm busy. I don't have time. Quit something. You do have time. Get into the word of God. Have people hold you accountable that you are in the word. Not to get your check mark every day. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, to work. Just like, okay, I guess I'm just going to read this. And, and don't treat it like a science experiment. Like an English paper you need to write. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to... to to quicken your mind and to understand it. It goes on, moreover by them your servant is warned and keeping them there is great reward. There's great reward that comes. There is delight that comes in the word of God. That it comes with an open heart. Getting into the chair, praying before you do it and saying, oh God, speak to me through your word today. Apply those promises, those verses that speak to you on that day. Keep living God's word the best that you can with a humble, with a repentant heart because we can't do it perfectly. It, it, it takes time. But open your heart to what the Spirit has to say and say, God, I'm hungry. Feed me today from your truth. And God says, I'll feed you. I'll feed you. 
Sometimes we think, well, I'm just too busy. This is the most important thing we can do. This is the solid foundation we can build our lives on, we can build this new year on. There's a lot of good books you can read that can become a distraction to God's word. They may contain God's word, but they're not the pure, clean, undiluted word of God. You can listen to a lot of great preaching and podcast it. You can buy the CDs. You can watch it on TV. A lot of garbage out there too, but you, can, you, you can, can listen to the best. Still nothing better than the pure, clean word of God proclaimed in the word of God. That is a foundation we can build our lives on.